Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Right, rolling, 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 rolling. Check, check. All right, coming down here on Zencaster. Four Center, three twenty. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our news and cues episodes. The news stands for news, and the cues stands for questions. We've got uh, some of both, and it's all fun. It's, Damn it. 
It's all fun indeed on a special Force Center early release news uh, uh, on, on the eve of, of May the 4th, the greatest holiday in the world now, apparently. <laughs> Certainly getting bigger every year. I'll tell you what we well we'll we'll get into catching up our life adventures. We got some uh, some sponsors to definitely talk about, but I will say this: I have forced myself to be. I've got to be less grumpy about May the Fourth because when it started to emerge <laughs> years ago, I would get. I was like every day Star Wars day in my life, and I got a better. I got to choose joy in a better way. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we've talked about it on past uh, yeah. May the Fourth when it first emerged as like this pun, like May the Fourth in like early Twitter days was like the same as like talk like a pirate day. It was like a day where <laughs> yeah. you could do a couple of Twitter jokes and, and uh, maybe kind of be a little frustrated by it. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that was always not about celebrating Star Wars. It was always about the pun. And then like, I have good friends who are like may, but may 25th is the actual, you know, an- yeah. release anniversary. Let's have a sense of history over a pun, but just over the years, like this, it's so Star Wars, right. Yeah. That it has just bubbled up from the community it has a sense of like whimsy and absurdity, uh, but then it also has this like fun depth of yeah. community and people wanting to celebrate Star Wars and yeah. in every business that touches Star Wars in any way going, hooray, this is a day to just flood out with Star Wars stuff. Yeah, it is. And I'm here to celebrate it. We're here to celebrate it. I just, as always, if I hear a pun, my... A usual reaction is to walk away from it. Um, but we're here to have a lot of fun talking about that and more. But before we get all, to all that, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And the deals aren't done there. Right, Joseph? No, we have another offer. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is also offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. You can get your discount by entering the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Ken, this is the week. We have been uh, promoting this book for weeks because it is coming out on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day. We are almost there. So please, Mm. there's so much going on for May the 4th. But just rush to your computers. Go to Inside Editions and get Star Wars Galactic baking so you can finally uh, enjoy the pizza based on puffer pigs. Please do it. Now that I have an air fryer, can I make puffer pigs in an air fryer? I'm going to find out. I have the book. I'm going to dig in. Uh, yeah, don't ask why. Ask why not when it comes to <laughs> cooking with your air fryer and sometimes Star Wars. Anyway, you can check out this great book, Star Wars Galactic Baking. Ken and I both have a copy, and it is really, really uh, fun and and just great uh, capturing of the spirit of Star Wars, and the food looks delicious, too. You can check it out with the code FC35. Check it out, indeed. Uh, as I said, we love to catch up, talk about Star Wars adventures, life adventures, and often how they intersect. Uh, Joseph, uh, how's your how's your Star Wars life? Oh, my Star Wars life is great. This has actually been a really uh, rich Star Wars week for me, but honestly, most of it was uh, uh, prepping for the show. Been reading um, mm-hmm. the Skywalker uh, Family at War by Kristen Baver and really enjoying that. I look forward uh, to you, you and I mm-hmm. uh, discussing that. Uh, we've got a really fun Star Wars ranked coming up that we we came up with like, oh, what's a topic where we don't have to invest like a, a ton of research time because it's coming from mh- uh, memory and joy. And uh, then I invested a ton of research time because I was having so 
so much fun looking at toys on the internet. So uh, a lot of fun Star Wars adventures uh, preparing for Force Center. Mm. And then I had a weird, uh, what I thought was going to be a life adventure that turned into (laughs) a sort of very circular Star Wars adventure. Uh, my wife and I decided to have a, have a tidy with music day on Saturday. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> we've been having lots of fun, relaxing days, but you know, uh, we want to tidy our apartment a little bit. So we're like, let's put on some music and let's just pick a small area, each of our apartment. And I've got uh, by my desk, all these piles of papers and they're, mm-hmm. they are multiplying um, like gremlins. And the pile I picked up was all sorts of old four center notes. Um Yes. I used to, especially when, when you and I and Jennifer were recording in person back in the day, mm. I would write up the notes and then I would print out the sheet right. and then I would scribble my own personal notes on the show notes. So I had this massive pile <laughs> of my old Force Center thoughts. And it was really cool to look back and see like some stuff. It was like, oh, wow, uh, what I hoped for or, or guessed was wildly inaccurate. And other ones like... When did we do this? Because that's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) That mix of total like um, accuracy and non-accuracy. But the thing that really hit me is I found one of our four center notes. I think it was you and I did this one. Jennifer had already um, taken her break to have her latest Padawan. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was our last chat before we saw Rise of Skywalker. Right. And I, I remember this, but it was really affecting to see it written down in notes that a ton of what the film ended up being is stuff that I was excited to see or expected to see. Like one of the things that we talked about was what do you think the pacing is going to be like? How do you think it's going to balance the uh, whiz bang adventure serial tradition of star Wars uh, with more of the, the depth and the emotion, um, especially coming off of, uh, of last Jedi, which I think Mm. really invested in, in, slower moments of depth and, and with not as much focus on the constant adventure serial energy. Right. And seeing in the notes that like, Oh yeah, I, I really expected rise of Skywalker to reinvest in the adventure serial and, and have that energy and that pace. And like, mm-hmm. that's just one example mm-hmm. um, of what was on that notes. It, it, it was just a, a, a kind of interesting and fun reminder for me you and I always talk about going into the movies like uh, like Luke going into the tree on Dagobah. It's the only things in there are what you take with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much what we uh, take in with us does make a difference. And just remembering that, um, well, I can articulate and, and argue all the reasons that I think Rise of Skywalker is great. Mm. A part of the, the reason that the experience was moving for me is I was you know, my heart was singing in the same key as the movie. Right. You know, it was what I, it was what I expected and not in a good, it checked the boxes. It was just like the energy and the mood and the spirit. Mm -hmm. I was on the same wavelength as Mm -hmm. before I even sat down in the theater. Yeah. And just remembering how much of a difference that makes was uh, my reflective Star Wars adventure of the week. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we've discussed so much Star Wars here in our sixth year of broadcasting here. And then you and I were discussing things before on Jedi Lines and other places and other podcast appearances and stage shows for you. Uh, uh, all <laughs> stuff. We've been we've been rolling up our sleeves and getting in this. I, I, I think that's a it's fun to just reflect, but also uh, to see to see what we've learned and what what we've, uh, you know, uh, I love when predictions go wrong. I, 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 I hate when I personally would 
even come close to something because I, I want to be surprised in the sense of I don't consider him consider myself talented enough to, to make a film like that. So don't take any of my ideas. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, the, the, the spirit and the vibe and and kind of uh, digging into the themes. Uh, it's, it's, I don't I don't have any of my notes now. I wish. I'm going to have to dig around. Maybe I got some Google Docs saved somewhere. <laughs> well, we always have the podcast to look back on. But yeah, yeah like, I couldn't keep the mountains of, uh, yeah, of notes. Yeah. And now I'm just doing them digitally. So I'm, right. you know, uh, so I picked out a couple to to save for the, for awesome. the memories for things that were, uh, you know, on point and things that were intriguingly, fascinatingly off point. Um, yeah, yeah. And I really don't mean it as predictions like right. yeah, oh, betting yeah, yeah. on Vegas of like this is what I think is going to happen and hooray I'm right it really is about like the mood and the energy mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. what are you bringing with you that affects how you view it you know yeah I yeah you're right you're you're right songs in the key of uh, Star Wars there you go <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and we're uh, here on the precipice of watching Bad Batch and I'm so excited I don't have any wild predictions of this is what's going to happen but I feel like I'm mm. I'm on the wavelength and I'm excited to to be on the wavelength with Bad Batch. Bad Batch is an interesting thing, as this is uh, uh you know early reviews are coming out uh, uh, and all those kind of things. But uh, uh, you and I are going to see it for the first time uh, when it drops tonight at the time of this recording, and we have done the least amount of what we think is going to happen. Our Star Wars ranked on what we need in Bad Batch. Those kind of fun shows we've done in the past. And I will probably do those again for, I mean, we're never going to stop talking about Kenobi and or <laughs> Acolyte, <laughs> all those kind of things. Um, but with, with Bad Batch, it's almost fun where I'm like, yeah, I have no clue. I have no clue what I'm going to tune into tonight. You know, we have ideas. We've seen the trailer. We've talked about that. But uh, I really don't know. And it's been kind of fun. Yeah, I feel like in my mind I have written the first chapter of a Choose Your Own Adventure book. And there are like uh, all of these different ways that I could see Bad Batch going. And I'm so excited to see yeah. uh, which way they go. We will. We will indeed. With Yeah. So stuff. anyway, that's enough about me going on and on about uh, my circular Star Wars <laughs> adventures, talking about uh, old Force Center thoughts <laughs> on our new episode of Force Center. What were your uh, Star Wars or life adventures this week? Well, I've been on a, you know, big music kick. I'm, I'm a big music fan. We've talked about music. I know you, uh, you are as well. And uh, especially you being out there in that Minnesota area where so many great bands, so many of my favorite <laughs> bands, the semi-sonic replacements coming out of that neck of the woods. So it, it, it sneaks into our Star Wars conversation, but I, I've been doing that a lot. So I've just been like watch, working out to like YouTube videos of uh, of monsters and men. Uh, uh, Hi, there's some of my favorite bands. I've just been playing on repeat over and over recently. Um, but I was like, all right, I, 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 I'm going to watch something else. And I was like, I don't have to watch Star Wars. We're not reviewing a Clone Wars episode until Bad Batch this week. I don't, I don't have to, quote unquote, have to sit down and watch Clone Wars while I'm on the treadmill. So I was like, what should I watch? What should I watch? Yeah, you know what I'm going to watch? I'm going to watch Star Wars. And I went to uh, the vintage and I watched the, uh, the what is it, the faithful Wookiee, the animated portion of the holiday special. Now, yeah. I have uh, definitely, I've seen, you know, the holiday special of the years. I've seen YouTube clips, seen parts of it. I, I can't tell you if I, I don't think to my knowledge I've ever sat down and watched it start to finish, right? I just so familiar with every little beat and every little song and and uh, the Boba Fett stuff and, and the animated. But I don't think I've ever just focused on just that animated short and i did it was very interesting very just it it had its own flavor to it and i thought you know what i'm gonna count this as the mandalorian pilot <laughs> <laughs> you watch that and you take it in, it's not just favreau going grab the pulse rifle it's favreau going let's do that 
Dude, that is a series. Uh, well, I'm, I wonder how much it lodged in his psyche when he was a youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy creatures. Uh, I help you. You help me. Uh, even Boba Fett is is kind of played as a you know is he on your side or not you know until you learn he he isn't of course with, with Vader being involved in the story. So anyway, it was fascinating. And I it, you know uh, you got the uh, you got the folks doing the voices there. You got some uh, uh, great Luke Skywalker screaming uh, naive farm boy trying to help the day voices. I mean it, it was. It was really fascinating, and I and I haven't really just done that. And once again, you know, we love this stuff. And even when you're like, watch anything but Star Wars, press play on Star Wars. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So if you haven't had it out there, if you haven't had a chance to take in the Faithful Wookiee, uh, give it a go. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a weird Star Wars time capsule, but also a look into the future. I think I love that. You've got me really intrigued to just sit down and and rewatch it because I have only ever watched it in the context of, right. of going on the epic adventure of the entire holiday special. Yeah. So I have, I have never watched it uh, uh, free of, of visions of uh, Lumpy <laughs> flitting <laughs> yeah. through my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Ackman is singing, and there's so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I recommend that. Ah, you have got me intrigued. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch it. Uh, speaking of intrigued. Let's talk about Kenobi. Let's go to Star Wars news. <laughs> Kenobi speaks. All right. Ewan McGregor sat down with the Hollywood Reporter, talking a lot about Halston, the new uh, show coming out that he's in, uh, starring as Halston there. And, uh, of course, uh, of course, you're going to get to some Obi-Wan Kenobi. Of course, you're going to get to Star Wars. So I figured let's do so. We do this every, often, and a lot of times these are big Star Wars news stories out of a, another interview, and we love breaking them down. But I, I don't know, Joseph. I just, I, my, our love of Kenobi, the, sh- the character, your, your love of, of Kenobi leading the way and, and, and into the show, I just, I actually got really excited. So we'll yeah. dive in, you know? Yeah, no, this is a great interview, and I, I love uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Ewan McGregor himself is just a fascinating, interesting uh person and I, this whole interview i thought was great oh yeah you know side note on that like it i used to you know subscribe to premiere and movie line or whatever those you know back in the 90s and i used to have all those you know rolling stone and entertain i used to get flick talk flick, right yeah. yeah fade in i used to get like a stack of magazines every month and so this i i had flashbacks to that just sitting in my car on on a lunch break at my old day job when i was washing mm-hmm. dishes as a 16 year old reading premiere magazine in an interview with someone in a good old celebrity profile and, and mcgregor being such a fixture of the 90s which is just uh you know that's my generation uh my, my decade of growing up yours as well joseph uh, uh you know into young adulthood like he's such a part of that it, it was interesting to see him talk about that era as well yeah, yeah, and, and talk about his uh, having those quotes read back to him from earlier interviews and going, ooh, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. uh, a bit young and young and pompous. And, you know, you you have those moments every once in a while where you're like, I'm really glad I was not famous or successful as a youth. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and to, to all you listeners out there who might be uh, riding high in your, in, your, in your 20s, God bless you, number one. Uh, do good stuff, work hard. Yeah, but yes, uh, McGregor speaks the truth. Looking back and going, oh, yeah, that was, that was me. I don't want to be that again. Um, <laughs> it is natural. It's growth. It's natural. It is. It is. It is. All right, so here's some things he said about Star Wars. Uh, he said, uh, this one's been going around, of course. Uh, for months, we've been doing these monster two-and-a-half hours uh, sessions of sword fights and hand-to-hand stuff. Hand-to-hand <laughs> stuff. 
So this is, uh, you know, we know uh, Kathleen Kennedy has told all of us this is the rematch of the uh, century. Doesn't mean he's only going to be fighting Vader in this, uh, or maybe he does he even fight Vader at all. I don't know. I would think so after that, um, that statement from Kathleen Kennedy. But I, I, I heard this. I got excited. Jo- Joseph, how much action do we expect Kenobi to see? And what are our expectations slash wishes for this one more fight with Vader? Yeah, I there, oh, there's so much uh, in what you're saying. The hand to hand stuff is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me feel like there is going to be a bit more action in this. I think um, uh, on Force Center we've talked about, and I know many other uh, friends and in, in the Star Wars talkers have talked early on about Kenobi being like, this could be like the indie movie of Star Wars. Right. So, you know, we're spending time with him, introspective on Tatooine, and and I think we are going to get a bit of that. But I think that this is going to be a little bit more of an, an action adventure serial, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, uh, Indian in the front action in the back. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, that hearing this, not only keying it up, it was like, no, we're just, we're straight up announcing Hayden. We're straight up announcing Vader. We're calling it the rematch of the century. Obviously that suggests some big combat, but the hand to hand stuff really suggests to me that the picture that comes into my mind is Kenobi's, on a mission to stop something to make his way to Vader. And he is running into in classic star Wars adventure serial cliffhanger tradition obstacles along the way. Yeah. You know, and is the hand to hand stuff because he's trying to travel incognito and doesn't want to be whipping out the lightsaber, but he's got a problem with this person. And this person's an obstacle and he's got to get through it. And this person attacks him. And, you know, mm. uh, I'm wondering if it's going to be a little bit more of that, uh, that feel that vibe. Yeah, look, I, I can't deny that uh, I've been so intrigued for this series, but also the movie. And I know the movie, if there was a movie version, as we as Ewan confirms for seven years or so, he's been on board to do something with Kenobi. <laughs> uh, the idea, you know, it's going to move fast. It's going to have some action. I, I, I get it. We're not going to have my dinner with uh, Vader, the uh, indie Star Wars film. But as a TV show... I, I, I can't deny, I've been thinking about that Twin Sons episode of Rebels and just going, great, six episodes of that, I'm on board, <laughs> which is <laughs> silly. I know that's not how it works. but this So this got me excited beyond just the Vader stuff. I'm clearly excited for that. But you, you kind of said it there, Joseph, just like along the way, getting to Vader, the act of getting to Vader can't be simple. Unless he sends an email, meet me in this playground at noon. <laughs> you know, so who's he going to fight? Does he want to fight? Uh, what's it, how's it going to go? And, and like you use it hand to hand to hide who he really, really is. And now the idea of the guy at Revenge of the Sith and the guy in Twin Sons Rebels and New Hope, that gap, we've talked about the emotional connection, but now this, the physical change and gap, like campfire guy. Yeah, I'm done with fighting. <laughs> I've done a lot along the way. How to use my hands. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, just in terms of the, like, of, of fun, put your Star Wars nerd head on and speculate, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some live-action Inquisitors get in his way. That could be right, right. A, a fun reason to fight. But also, like, if, I think there's room. I keep seeing, saying indie is, um, is in indie film, but I also think there's some room for some indies in Indiana Jones. Right, right. <laughs> that, like, it's been 10 years, I haven't done a lot, but I feel compelled to act, and I'm rusty. Right. You know? There could be, I think, some real sort of charming uh, Kenobi getting uh, back up to mm-hmm. uh, his Clone Wars era sort of yeah. fighting as he mm. is trying to, whatever he's trying to do, uh, book passage, um, right. you know, get information. Not that he's going to beat information out of people, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Trying to overhear something and, and people, you know, gangsters 
come up on him or, you know, like I know this isn't going to happen, but my, uh, <laughs> uh, my weird fantasy that it begins with, uh, Obi-Wan going somewhere and then Bosk's like, Hey, <laughs> aren't, aren't you? And then yeah. he's got to punch Bosk, you know, that's episode These things two. happen. Yeah. Chapter two, the punching of Bosk. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 just, I, I hadn't, I hadn't stopped to think about, well, what if he's got to fight off four stormtroopers and doesn't want to, but has to. I don't want this just to be a remix of Mandalorian. I don't think it is on any level. Deborah Chow has, uh, in terms of a direction, has, has handled both the quiet stuff and the action stuff quite well, very well, in Mandalorian. And we got uh, what Joby Harold writing this now, taking over the writing. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot in there. But th- this, uh, yeah, again, I, I, excitement's the only thing I can say. I read this, and I, and I fell for it. I, I mean, everyone else is getting excited. I am, too. I just love uh, that uh, we could have some Kenobi in action, you know? Yeah, the the other thing for me about talking about action is uh, I think it is going to be motivated from an emotional place. You know, I don't think it's just going to be the the physical rematch of the century. I think it really is the emotional rematch of the century. If everything that Obi-Wan is doing is kind of motivated by this idea of he faced Anakin slash Vader, he didn't manage to save Anakin, and he didn't end Vader. He didn't do either of the things that could have saved the galaxy from suffering. And he has this this interesting approach that all these Jedi wrestle with when they're in exile of when are my actions going to help more? When are they going to hurt more? And if Kenobi has come to the place of, I didn't do either of the two acceptable things, uh, mm-hmm. save Anakin or end Vader, I have to do one of them. And he's going out into the galaxy with that motivation. That means all of the interesting action will come from an emotional place, which I think is so important to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm over here to talk about punching stormtroopers in the face, but 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 all f- going into that theme you're talking about, because you, what are you just, you're, you're literally describing what the conversation has been since Revenge of the Sith, right? In the fandom, sometimes it's a meme or a joke of, gee, Obi-Wan just left his friend to burn up and die, like couldn't, <laughs> couldn't put a blade through him or whatever. And you got I've, you've got to imagine Kenobi thinking the same thing. So that's a great starting point. I, I, yeah, I think so. I, call, I, I think yeah. so. I'd call Go him ahead. A. I'm, no, yeah, I, I, I'd call him A. I'd call him B. I chose C, and that wasn't the right way. Uh, let me go back and, and go get into it there. So that that's a great motivation uh, for the violence that might be coming. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for me, that speaks to, you know, your great question of, you know, what do we want out of the conflict with Vader is... Uh, I think that's a really interesting emotional place for him to be tracking down Vader with the first first step of I'm going to try to fulfill Padme's wish and I'm going to try to get through to you. Yeah. And then what happens when that doesn't work? What happens when it doesn't work? Uh, he went on to bemoan a bit of the prequel shooting process, particularly Revenge of the Sith, uh, same with the massive amount of blue screen uh, that uh, George was uh, uh, using there. It made it hard for him to get into the dialogue. Says, uh, don't mean to be rude, but uh, it wasn't exactly Shakespeare. Um, Not anything new we haven't heard before, but I I wanted to actually specifically ask you, just as I'm asking myself, what do we as devout prequelists think when we (laughs) read things like that from those involved with the movie? Now, he's not saying the movies were crap and he's acknowledging that they they weren't received as well and that kind of hurt. Uh, We've heard that stuff before and, and, uh, you know, so I get it, but... I I almost want to know, almost as as if we're off air, Joseph, around the campfire. What do you think when you read stuff like that? Oh, I think it is... Uh, uh, nothing new, I think, is the my main yeah. first reaction is when I see a quote like that, I imagine all of uh, the kind of clickbaity headlines. 
right. of, you know, Ewan McGregor finally reveals like, nope. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's been saying that for years. So I think this is something that he's been honest about for a very, very long time. I think that all of my love of, pre- of the prequels, I love them despite the fact that there's this truth that I feel many of the people involved have talked about. Lucas himself has said, I, I don't really like, super like talking to actors. I feel like the meanings on the page and I like the actors who just get it and do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like actors like Ewan McGregor has said that was hard, you know, and I, I would have wanted to dig in and find some more depth. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there are moments of the prequels as much as I love them with all my heart that you can feel a little bit of what I would describe as like that coldness. Right. uh, Because of those things. And I love the prequels despite some of that coldness. So it doesn't really bother me when an actor acknowledges, I wanted to figure out a little bit more of the warmth or the depth of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when I watch the prequels, I bring everything I know about the characters and feel about it. And, and the coldness disappears to me. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it is a warm and rich story because I fill in all, all of these feelings and these thoughts about the characters. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'd say is uh, especially having been an actor myself and having worked with uh, a lot of actors, it is nothing new for actors to feel like I couldn't quite get into that scene. It wasn't working for me. And then the person from the outside being, you just nailed that. Right, right. <laughs> you just knocked it out of the ballpark. What you did was incredibly moving and affecting. And I think Ewan McGregor's performance in uh, the prequels is amazing you know and it's sort of like it's a bummer for me if he he felt like he struggled but it doesn't change how i feel about his performance yeah look at we there's been some times with the sequel era where we've heard some stuff uh public stuff in interviews where i'm like man i wish i, I wish you could enjoy it as much as we did and i understand it just doesn't work like you're describing on a very um you know direct creator way where you know you get up on stage and you think man that was shit and, and people are happy and yes i swore because that's what we creators do sometimes on stage <laughs> um and uh, yeah, so I, I just it's it's a it's a good reminder for me uh, to do exactly what you um, talked about there, and it's a little bit of that engage with the story presented, but just engage with the themes and the things that Lucas was dealing with. I I can't deny it, and 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 I, I've I've highlighted some of the moments, particularly Attack of the Clones, where you know just the dirt doesn't even move underneath the feet of everybody, and it kind of I, I can't separate my my brain from that sometimes. But to choose to engage with what's there and choose to celebrate what we as Star Wars fans know. That's not wrong. We're not, I'm not, I'm not a film critic, so I don't have to rate this. I don't have to, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. I have to find out what's there for me as a Star Wars fan. And so I, I had a reaction to this of like, man, you know, God, because he's so good, you know, he's so good in those and everyone loves him. And he, here he is doing it again. Uh, um, I hope he, ha- I hope he, gets to appreciate the legacy of those films for a new generation of fans and everything. And, and I think he will. And he does. And I think he's obviously it, 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 you know, he's ready to dive back in. And, and it also highlights, uh, even though there's been times in Mandalorian where I maybe have been a little grumpy about how I think things look, uh, it's only going to get better. And that technology is just, it, it, you can tell this, it's going to help actors overcome some of those problems they've had in the past. While people, why people, while George Lucas and Peter Jackson were pushing the boundaries of how to shoot films on that level, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, hearing that Ewan McGregor felt that way, you know, felt more immersed is, is great. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing that I always want to say uh, about the, the prequels and the kind of the, the question of 
you know, the, the directing, the acting, the, is it cold, is it wooden, all that is, yeah. you know, everything is really about what you bring to it. Mm-hmm. And we have heard from fans here on Four Center that people who saw these films as a kid don't feel any of that. They right, looked right. up there and they related to Anakin or Padme and Obi-Wan and they saw themselves and, and they feel it's electric and alive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important for us all, all to, to remember that for art, you know, mm-hmm. there isn't a truth, you know, yep. it's what we're, it's informed. It's a conversation. It's informed by what you bring to it. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of uh, uh, championing uh, the current way of shooting things on Kenobi, Mando and other things, I'm sure uh, uh, McGregor championed the stagecraft slash volume of work, saying the project, uh, uh, the virtual backgrounds, uh, uh, they, or excuse me, they project, not project, project <laughs> Ron Burgundy again. They project uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> virtual backgrounds onto this massive LED screen. So if you're in a desert, you're standing in the middle of a desert. All right, Tatooine, we get that. If you're in the snow, you're surrounded by the snow. Snow, what? And if you're in a cockpit of a starfighter, you're in space. It's going to feel so much more real. All right, Joseph, I don't care. I want to wildly speculate. Snow planet? Do you think there's a snow planet or is he just throwing examples out there i think this is absolute 100 percent confirmation that he's going to ordo plutonia home of the talls from the clone wars episode trespass clearly absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. that's the snow planet that every star wars fan thinks of first right yeah yeah that's it that's the one my Gito second <laughs> but definitely that one <laughs> no i think um that is i, I ken how is there so many things that Always make fans go, Ilum. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, because I'm like, oh, Ilum. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh, that he could absolutely just be using an example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. there's, I don't think there's any any reason for Kenobi to be anywhere near Hoth. Um, no, no. I, but the Ilum thing is really interesting because we know that it is in this place of transition from a an organic sacred Jedi space to a mechanized, tortured, dark side, Mm -hmm. imperial place. And that makes it an interesting place for Kenobi to end up for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of the Ilum predictions, uh, I think we're going to keep predicting it until it's really right. And and, and I think fallen uh, Jedi fallen orders, it's a great use of Ilum. I I think force awakens is in the end, (laughs) a great use of Ilum. I I wouldn't have mind getting a little bit more of that, but I, um, I think this might be just keep, just keep predicting it until it's right. And this feels right. I don't, I just feel like as star Wars fans, Every time we see snow or hear the word snow, we're going to be like that Leo DiCaprio image from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the screen. If we see snow, finger snap, point at the screen, Ilum. Ilum, Ilum. Uh, and again, uh, I think either more more likely he's throwing out examples, though seems pretty specific with desert, uh, desert planet and a cockpit of a starfighter, which is intriguing to me as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I had that, I, yeah, the Leo, the Leo, uh, uh, gift meme. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Cause it was, I, I think I probably had a white claw in my hand, but I was just like, <laughs> Oh, wait, cause it could just work. It can work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just makes me very excited for the show. It really, really was final, final one there. Uh, and I know we're spending a lot of time, but I, I think this is, uh, this is just, I love talking about this series. I, I just can't wait. Uh, he uh, finally, uh, McGregor playfully dodged the young Luke Skywalker question saying while grinning, the 
uh, author of the article pointed out. Uh, I don't know. That's very possible when asked about uh, screen tests with a young Luke Skywalker. So, eh, you know, confirmation, Joseph. We're pretty. That's confirmation, right? Right? <laughs> grin? A grin? <laughs> a grin. A grin. Yeah, I'm getting more and more excited for uh, young Luke. I think the confirmation from Lucasfilm that this is about Kenobi dealing with uh, the specter of Vader so sets this up for him for Kenobi's the happy ending in yeah. in quotes of this series would be Kenobi being absolutely firm in his conviction that Luke is the new hope yeah and for that to be interesting and in substantive you know a scene or two with young Luke would be great I, I mean it's to the point of to me it would be odd if Luke isn't there right <laughs> like at, right. at, at any level, I don't care if you if he goes to talk to uh, Owen and Baru, and Luke's just playing in the background. It could just be simple as that. Like, yeah, uh, it would be weird if it wasn't there. So, yeah, but I mean, in the way I know we've seen things in in comics and all that, but yep. you know, yep. going back to a New Hope, the way Luke's like, I wonder if he's talking about old Ben Kenobi. Like, Luke is yeah. very clear who Ben Kenobi is, which suggests yeah, uh, some some fun interactions. Uh, fun interactions indeed. Uh, so that's our look uh, at that big interview. Any final thoughts on Kenobi or uh, Ewan McGregor, Joseph? Uh, I just, I don't know if I've ever heard this story and just don't remember it. I love the detail that he was working on Velvet Goldmine when he found out that he was cast as Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace. And I love this sentence. I was getting craft services with Christian when I got the call. <laughs> Christian Bale. Like, <laughs> do, do you think, <laughs> is that the other side of that call with McCallum? <laughs> With Rick McCallum. Dude, dude's gonna be so boop and cool. Uh probably. And he's yeah, he's just got some some a ham sandwich uh, hanging out of his mouth with Christian Bale staring at him. Yeah, Christian Bale's like, what who's that? Is that Rick McCallum? Ask uh, is that Rick McCallum? Uh, is there something for me? Yeah, yeah, tell him to get out of my light. Yeah, to get out of good for you, Rick. Oh, that's great. Uh all right. I can't wait for the series. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And we got some questions about it. So we're not done talking. We're not about done this talking about it. We're sorry, but we're not sorry. All right. Uh, next uh, story. A Disney uh, cruise ship will feature Star Wars themed hyperspace lounge. Yay. StarWars.com covered this. All right. So we're not going to spend a ton on ton of time on this. But, and I, I, I'll disclose here up top, Joseph. I'm personally not much of a cruise ship fan. I, I've never <laughs> been on one. And well, could you don't know. I just don't really. Eh, there's a lot of things about it. Uh, e e even things I've heard uh, and how people are treated, but also just the idea of being in a, an open water with nothing but uh, a buffet of food just doesn't appeal to me. But it does appeal to a lot of people, including my aunt and uncle, who used to go on cruise ships about three times a year. <laughs> um, so uh, you you got some you've been on cruise ships. You've been on comedy cruises, Joseph. I don't know if you maybe you you don't agree with me on that. Oh no! I, I cruises are super weird, but I really enjoyed them. I've only had the experience of being on uh, the Jonathan Colton cruise, yeah. uh, and the ones that I was on uh, there. So there was this big block of uh, musicians and comedians, all generally under the sort of a, a pop culture uh, banner, uh, performing, and then a bunch of people who are there specifically for that performance, uh, mixed uh, with just regular cruise go go goers, you know? So it was like, I got to have this kind of specific experience that I was with this specific group of people uh, to do this specific thing, to perform and have fun mm -hmm. and have the sense of community. But then there was also some, some of the like very stereotypical, just like, you know, an older uh, couple from Nebraska going, what are you people doing? <laughs> so uh, I kind of got to see both sides and yeah. uh, cruises are just really weird, but I find them kind of delightful. Mm. They're so, to me, they're absurd because yeah, you know, they are, they all 
to different scales have that like we are here to create this magical experience mm-hmm. there's very much a we can get the customers anything anything you need any time of day we will get for you there's and then so there's on one side it's this like the total like uh bubble of human society and human right. society that is structured to be like let's get the guests anything they want and then right outside your window is the uncontrollable power of nature that could kill you any moment and <laughs> you cannot call the manager about the ocean you know <laughs> Anything on the cruise, you can call the manager about. But immediately outside your window is the reminder that <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the will of the force has the true power and you can't control. There's yeah. a lot you can't control. There's I a lot mean, you can't call the manager about. And the yeah. constant reminder of that is right outside your window. Well, outside your little um, port, little window. Uh, yeah, you, you know, I've talked about my f- uh, fear of being launched into space, uh, drowning in the ocean. There's a lot of things going on. But, and no, again, no judgment if anyone likes to go. I just, there's a lot about it. But um, that said, that said, Joseph, here in this description of what is coming in the summer of 2022 on the new ship, Disney Wish, it's got me kind of excited. Senior creative director of Walt Disney Imagineering, Danny Hankey, designed this new hyperspace lounge on this ship. It's uh, you, you, it's open for kids during the day with non-alcoholic drinks and everything. Then at night, it's all for the adults who love Star <laughs> Wars. Uh, it is going to match the vibe and aesthetic of Dryden Voss's first light yacht. That actually, number one, you and I both love the first the first light. We mm-hmm. kind of want to party with Dryden Voss. Maybe not support his work, but we want to party. Uh, what do you think, just about that, Joseph. Oh, I absolutely love this. I loved what the uh, designer was talking about, how when they were building this, um, they're going like, do we want to do another uh, cantina type thing? But we got that in Galaxy's Edge and then the first light was coming out. Canto Bite was coming out. I think something in the design, it owes a little bit to Outlander Club as well. And I, yeah. I just love the idea of we've got some recreations of the uh, down and dirty cantina. Let's make a little bit more of these Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cocktail lounge. Yes, behind you on that. The lounge will feature uh, many planets, locations, canon-accurate skirmishes. No battles. They weren't allowed to have battles, just skirmishes. (laughs) Um, And this is... uh, the way I envision it is like you're having a drink in Star Tours, which things are happening all around you there. Uh, And and you've got uh, Tatooine, which would be like Mando-themed. Batu, which uh, tied to Galaxy's Edge, obviously. Mustafar, Rogue One era. And Endor Kif Beer during the Reign of the First Order. These things will play out on the screens um, in the lounge. So it's like you're flying through on a spaceship, flying through some of this action. Uh, Interesting choices and eras, Joseph. Yeah, no, I like the jumping around in eras. I think it is really uh, great to have big Star Wars things like this celebrate that, you know, Star Wars can be lots of different uh, different aesthetics, uh, you know, and these are some fun environments. And I kind of love taking something uh, like Endor and and making it like not just Endor, but Kefbeer too, you know, and yeah. really that, that's the story. So having fun things like this that tie them together. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I'm going to be, if I was on this cruise, and I, I would be annoying every night I'd go there, I'd be asking like the Mater D, like, hey, 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 what era are we in? Can I, can I, I need to know. <laughs> so I need to get my my dialogue with the bartender, canon accurate. Sir, just go take your seat. Just go take your seat. <laughs> uh, rumored to feature Sabak and, quote, alien entertainment. So I love the idea of of uh, playing Sabak. I, I, you and I both got, I think, the, the, Han Solo card game featured in the motion picture set, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the, there is a, a problem with uh, locking down the ownership of the word Sabak. So it is the Han Solo card game. Since owning that card set, I've just dreamed about, you know, having a Friday night uh, with some friends playing Sabak. 
but like the real, like the more in-depth version. So I'm intrigued by that, but I got to ask you, Joseph, is this your dream? If you find out that Lolito Primak is there, are you booking a (laughs) a cruise ship? I I think that would honestly tip it over for me. Like we talk a lot on this podcast as we cover news about what we would do and what we would not do. I Mm -hmm. think if, if it was clear that there were an animatronic of Lolito Lolito Primak, I, I would absolutely make this a priority. That would, Put it over the top. That'd be the thing. Yep. And, and I was going to, because that's kind of my follow up is like whether or not we want to go on a cruise. Uh, this sounds very impressive, especially on the heels of what they pulled off with Galaxy's Edge, which I mean, I'm such a believer in Galaxy's Edge. If, if, if folks out there listening have not had the chance to go, I hope you're all blessed with the opportunity to go at some point, um, either location. It's it's amazing. Joseph, I know you still beam talking about building that lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Good time. But uh, just, uh, Thoughts on what they can, uh, I don't know, just general thoughts on, 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 on just continuing to, to raise the bar on interactive Star Wars experiences. Yeah, I think it's great because I think, I think the, the designer even talked about this. There's such a history of immersion in Star Wars. You and I talk about it a lot with uh, the experience of our generation is taking the story home through action figures and kind of immersing ourselves in this fantasy world, on, you know, on yes. our living room carpets <laughs> yes yeah. uh with with uh bosk and dengar having weird adventures that we make up there's such a history all through different generations whether it's you know video games or playing on the playground or whatever of of immersing yourself in the world mm-hmm. and i really love any way that you can find to do it and i really do appreciate you know it, it is funny compared to george lucas looking out at an audience at a convention and saying it's for 12 year olds mm-hmm. but the truth is it is it is for uh 12 year olds of all ages I really love this perspective of like, it's fun to have a place for adults to just chill, to just sit in a bar, (laughs) have a themed drink and watch little Star Wars adventures and pretend you're out there in the galaxy. I Mm. love it. It, It's so to the heart of what I think has made Star Wars powerful. The stories are amazingly powerful and they always would be, but the immersion I think is what makes it a cultural event. The immersion is why, uh, yeah. fans organically created a Star Wars holiday called May the 4th based on a pun because the immersion matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned before, but uh, growing up near Pismo Beach, California, just sand dunes, and, you know, you go there and play with your friends, play with your family, and and I bring my figures, and that was always fun. I'd dig out little caves and play with my, you know, I'd, I had Hoth Luke on Tatooine. It was uh, the, the, <laughs> the X-Wing crashed, I guess. But then just going out there, you know, by myself, um, my family, you know, with their dad, mom, and my sister didn't want to play Star Wars with me. So just daydreaming that I was on Tatooine, that's immersive. And that's where it starts. And that's what you and I always talk about. So to see it now and, and to use this imaginary power, um, say what you will about Disney. Some people, you know, I, I get it. I get some of the things there. Um, just like I, you know, same with cruise ships for me. But I, I, the magic, the, the moment I walked in Galaxy's Edge, it was, I wanted to talk in character to the cast members. I wanted to play along. And, and um, when it started raining the day I was there, I was just like, oh, it's raining on Batu today. Wow, this is, and you know, you feel silly. You feel like a grown super nerd, but that's only, that's the stigma of our generation that looked down on that stuff. I love embracing it now. And I love the immersion uh, that they create. It's powerful. It's just like the films. It's powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the other things that just made me kind of excited is it, one of the cruises that I went on had a um, uh, kind of a, a main mall area that was entirely internal to the ship. So you couldn't see the water. 
you know? Right, right, right. You still felt the sensation. And one of the things in this promenade that was entirely internal was a really classic British pub. So right. if you just looked into the pub, you'd be like, I'm in a British pub. I maybe sense some movement of water. You turn around, outside of it is this weird promenade. There's something so otherworldly about spaces like that in a cruise ship that I think that is what this is going to capture as well, specifically mm. being on a cruise ship. It's this strange world within a world. I love that. All right. Maybe you convince me. Fine. I'll get all you can eat <laughs> shrimp and head on out to the uh, bar on the cruise ship. Um, we've asked this kind of stuff before, but I love kind of bringing it back. And sometimes the answers change. What is your ultimate at this point in your life, Joseph? What is your ultimate dream interactive Star Wars experience or location? What have they not done yet that you want to try? This one's pretty close. Like if, yeah. particularly if it was more accessible than having to go on a whole cruise, if, if this becomes popular and like, we're just going to make uh, these and you, there'll be one in LA and Detroit and Chicago and New York. And like, you know, yeah, I can just go down to the, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> to this club. Uh, that would be thrilling for me. I think the other one, which will probably never happen is uh, just a recreation of the Jedi archives in the temple. And you can hang out there and read a book. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. And just have someone, uh, an actor uh, playing Jocasta New who just comes along and like tells you to put your feet down or something like that. (laughs) Yes, I want uh, Jocasta New to shush me. (laughs) Yeah, hey, look, and I'd love to spend some time at Dexter's Diner. And I always go to Bright Tree Village. I've been looking up some... uh, Possibly trying to maybe getting out getting out to Yosemite again for the first time in 25 years. It's one of my favorite spots, mm. and, and Grace has never been, and I want to try to get out there. Uh, you know, and you got to book ahead, and blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of, you know, uh, we're not campers, so but I was looking at a lot of the camping options, and I was like, you know, I don't want to do this. But if it was, you know, Bright Tree Village, and it was an interactive Bright Tree Village camping experience, I you know, you get a hut, and you stay up there. <laughs> I, I, I'd try that out. But the one I want, this seems like it couldn't happen, but I actually think it could. Uh, the casinos out in Vegas, uh, the sales, there's Rio, I heard, is uh, going to change hands. It might already have by the time, uh, you know, I missed it during the pandemic. But pre-pandemic, I was out there and a friend of mine was actually trying to uh, be part of a group that purchases the Rio. And, and, and there was a casino idea of kind of like, for lack of a better word, a nerd casino, mm. uh, a nerd-themed casino. And the idea of an actual functional Canto bite. <laughs> oh, Man, you know I love my slot machines. If I could walk around, uh, you know, drunk, um, like a, like a tripping over BB-8, uh, playing slot machines and have live have characters and people <laughs> acting out, it's too much. It probably you know it's not realistic. I I, I get it, but it's also not unrealistic. It uh, is not unrealistic. I think you can have the full uh, Dabuske experience. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so that would be my choice. That is a great one. I hope that one comes to pass and we can go there together. Uh, indeed. So uh, we're almost done, but we're going to touch on a, some news that uh, emails came across this morning. I think by, by a lot of people are talking about it now. Uh, for May the 4th, I'm sure there'll be more things and more things we'll pick up on after we talk about Bad Batch and that kind of stuff. So stay tuned next week for updated news. If anything giant breaks, we'll we'll talk about it. But uh, we got a couple things, Joseph. Here we got the Simpsons, uh, Maggie Simpson in the Force Awakens from its nap, a uh, in a daycare far, far away. Uh, this is uh, Maggie on an epic crust quest for her stolen pacifier. Uh, brings her face to face with young Padawan, Sith Lords, familiar droids, Rebel scum, and an ultimate battle against the dark side. So that will be out there. Then we get Star Wars biomes uh, take a virtual vacation to some of the Star Wars uh, films' most iconic and beloved locations, like Hoth, Tatooine, and 
Sorgan. We can go fishing. Uh, and it's a charming series. Whisks you off to fly over tours of a galaxy far, far away. And Star Wars vehicle fly-throughs get up close and personal with two of Star Wars films' most iconic and beloved ships. Uh, as this content uh, takes uh, you on a trip through the Millennium Falcon and an Imperial Star Destroyer. So quick thoughts on uh, those uh, quick pieces that they're going to drop for us. Yeah, the the Simpsons thing looks fun. I'm I'm very intrigued to see it. I like the poster that it, the poster is very cross generational. That it's based on the A New Hope uh, poster, yeah. but then we have uh, BB-8 from the sequels, and then we have uh, Darth Bart. Maybe mm, yeah, <laughs> uh, we have a Simpsonized uh, Sith. So that's fun to see them really uh, tying all the all the eras together. Oh, in the biomes and the vehicle fly throughs. Ooh, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm curious to see if it really is. Uh, just um, visual, you know, mm-hmm. if there's any sort of uh, uh, not narrative to it, but like a, any sort of voiceover telling you about it or like yeah. uh, my wife has got queued up some things that are just like, um, hey, there's a camera on this train going through uh, Switzerland mm-hmm. and it's kind of just like mm-hmm. uh, for relaxing, you know? Yeah. And there's a there's a part of me that's like that sounds nice. Talk about immersion, right? Because yeah. a, a part of what we like about Star Wars is sometimes just the aesthetic, the fantasy. And there's a part of me that'd be like, yeah, no, I think I'd I'd watch, you know, yeah. just a camera flying around Hoth and every once in a while you see a Tauntaun. Great. It sounds peaceful. Right? Like a like a pack of Tauntaun being chased by a Wampa. <laughs> yep. And whatever else happens on Hoth, that's, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. every once in a while. Oh, there's the ruins of the Ion Cannon. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's just something to have on. Uh, a lot of times, I, I hope there's nothing. I mean, I, I mean, if they could do a good VO and it's fun, that'd be great too, but a lot of times, especially when I'm prepping like four center news or something, I just, I want to have something on, but I don't want to be distracted. So just flying over Tatooine would be great Star Wars news gathering uh, content. Yeah. Yeah. There's a series in particular called uh, Aerial America. And I think it's Aerial Other Things too, that mm. do kind of take you through the history of a place. So I'm so curious to see if it is just the take a relaxing fly around Tatooine or if it is, you know, a, a host being like, and now we're going to Mos Espa. Of course, we know what happened here. Yeah, we know what happened. Yeah, the, the penguins go across. Um, as far as uh, vehicle fly throughs, <laughs> uh, the Falcon, look, I love the Falcon. I'll spend a lot of time in the Falcon. Um, uh, I'm excited for that. But I, I'm actually kind of excited to go inside Imperial Star Destroyer. It's just, they're so big. They're so massive. Show me where the break rooms are. Show me, uh, is there a gym? Do the stormtroopers work out? What's going on? I, uh, I, uh, I, I'm intrigued by that one more than I thought I would be. Yeah, absolutely. Take me to the evil lunchroom. I want to see it. <laughs> so we'll keep you updated on that stuff and any uh, late break in May 4th news. Uh, right now, though, we're going to get ready to take a quick break. But before we do that, we want to have our uh, Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph. Yeah, that's right, because we got a bunch of uh, Kenobi talk in this episode. We are suggesting a book that has a lot of quality Kenobi content. It is Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Check it out. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break on the other side. Your questions here on Center. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Welcome back to Four Center. It's the news and cues. It's time for the cues. Joseph, what do we got? We got two questions from Twitter and two questions from our patrons on Patreon. Thank you for everybody who sends questions. We're going to jump into those Twitter questions first. The first one comes from Dr. Addy. Uh, Dr. Addy says, when do you think Obi-Wan figured out Anakin, one, didn't actually die on Mustafar, and two, was Darth Vader? Is this something you want, hope to see explored in Kenobi? Uh, so uh, I will start, Ken, by just saying, yes, I would love to see it explored. <laughs> Uh, even if it's a flashback, you know, mm-hmm. a lot, plenty of uh, timeline discussion to be had. Uh, but yes, I'd love to see it explored. Mm-hmm. What is? Uh, we can get into thoughts of the when and the how and, and fun uh, stuff like that. But what's your initial reaction? Do you want to see this explored in Kenobi? Yeah, I want to see. I want to see the weight of that knowledge and what it does to him, right? Which means he has to have the knowledge. So uh, whether I, I, don't, I don't want to necessarily see it in the show. Like he's at a bar and someone's like, hey, you're that Darth Vader guy. What? Um, but I'm open to anything, how they want to present it. But the, the weight of the knowledge has to have, um, uh, you know, important place in the show to me. And, and, and this is a question I think we've all asked. So we talked earlier about the, you know, the kind of the meme of, uh, you know, the, the, the general thought meme of, uh, hey, Kenobi should have stabbed his friend in the heart instead of let him to die on a, on, a, on a lava lake there. So this all factors into me, too, of just like, did he know the name Darth Vader? I can't remember uh, if Anakin said it or not to him or if that been going around. And, and I, I got to be honest with you, I, this is where I almost refuse to go digging into Wikipedia to find out the answers. I love living <laughs> in this area of, I can't quite remember. Is there a moment where Anakin says, my name's Darth Vader now? Uh, uh, don't forget it, bub. And, and, and Kenobi hears this. How disconnected is he? What's coming to him in his dreams and his visions? So I would love for the show to explore it and maybe just give me a good, wonderful answer finally. Yeah, I think... For me, I am so interested in this question because of what it means for the character of Kenobi, you know, and I don't have any strong opinion about exactly, you know, when in the timeline. Uh, I like the idea that, you know, Obi-Wan cannot bring himself to make the final killing blow. Mm -hmm. But my headcanon for uh, Revenge of the Sith is he's going to die here alone. And, and you know, I need to get moving. I need to get back to Padme. I'm not going to, I can't bring myself to make that decisive cut but he's done for he's gone right. you know right he's he's limbless except for the mechanical one and he's you know burning it's yeah you know it's not looking um good. so yeah so i think he i think he walks away thinking it's over you know and he's wrestling with that the horror of of that mm-hmm. um so i do like the idea uh you were joking about like he's he's in the bar and he mm-hmm. overhears a, a deep space pilot uh mm-hmm. switch from talking about the angels <laughs> <laughs> And the moon Diego to like, hey, you heard about that Darth Vader guy. You know, I don't want anything clunky like that, but I would mm-hmm. love it if he is hearing like yeah. rumblings mm-hmm. of this horror show, you know, mm-hmm. because I like that idea. 
touching, tapping into the mythic nature of Star Wars that in the galaxy, the myth of Vader is echoing out. Mm. You know, that there, there are people who aren't like, yes, I know, I know Darth Vader. He lives on Mustafar in a castle and he is cybernetic, but more than just, <laughs> Uh, you know, I saw his shadow once, you know, I walked through the room after he left and there was nothing but body parts and I could, I, and I felt right. cold, like, you know, mm-hmm. that awareness that there is some just boogeyman mm-hmm. of the empire. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of Kenobi becoming aware of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I like the idea of Kenobi being proactive and yeah. reaching out, you know, yeah. and, and trying to find Vader. Yeah. And, and like within meditation, mm. having that epiphany, you know? Yeah. And having it dawn, I, if, if, if we see the dawning of it and, and, and the emotional impact and you could have a real great acting moment with that too, I'll, I'll, I'll say that as well. I, I know I said, maybe I wanted to have an off camera outside of the show, but that, that could work for me. Uh, look, it's clearly, it's going to be a press conference. He's going to be watching it on TV <laughs> and Vader will say, uh, this is where the fun begins. And Kenobi goes, wait a minute. No, but they've played there's two great moments that stand out to me of uh, in the Tarkin uh, novel, right? With Lucino uh, writing that Tarkin kind of, kind of figuring it out, just stuff about Vader seems to, you know, just like, mm-hmm. huh, huh, whatever happened to that Anakin guy. Uh, and then I think, I think the reveal, it's, it, it, it's, it's totally different. You, you, you wouldn't have the same beat with Kenobi, but the Ahsoka Vader uh, apprentice, uh, Anakin, like that, that moment really worked for me. And, and, and what was a highly anticipated connection and how she going to figure out and how she going to know. So it, it, it's feelings. It's the force. It's that kind of connection. I, I think you're right. I think Obi-Wan reaching on out to kind of confirm what he's hearing is that that's something I'd be willing to explore. Yeah. And that you're right. There's that great confirmation moment with Ahsoka and Vader, but she in Rebels goes through some sensing and looking, right? And correct, yeah. Looking into the force and feeling like I, I think I feel this. It, it can't yeah. be. Yeah. The other, I think, interesting factor in this is you know Obi Wan has two missions when he goes to Tatooine. One is to watch over Luke, and the other is uh, to commune uh, with Qui Gon and mm-hmm. learn the path to a selfless immortality. Right. And in theory, you know, I think Qui Gon is probably you know, being one with the force, quite aware <laughs> of everything that has ever been and everything that could possibly be. So if he's, you know, I, wow. communing with Qui-Gon, that's an interesting wrinkle too, is is a part of this story that he is trying to commune with Qui-Gon for years and there's a part of Obi-Wan that's holding back because he doesn't want to know what Qui-Gon knows. Hold on. Stop the presses. Uh, I, I've kind of forgotten about the Qui-Gon of it all, like like the connection and, and, and the rumors. And I have no confirmation. I don't want any confirmation, but... You're what you, you the idea of that it's not just easy to go you know, dial up Qui Gon. That's why, like you said, Yoda's got a lesson for him, right? Like I could be pretty powerful, and and just the what what some kind of uh, a mental health kind of dug, digging in like therapy kind of session Kenobi could be having along the way, and then when he finally gets it, and it's Liam Neeson <laughs> going, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's the boy, oh yeah. It's the boy. And, yeah. and, and does Qui-Gon believe there's still hope for him, you know? Yeah. I Yes. What have you done to me? I can't I can't carry that expectation around anymore, Joseph. I can't. <laughs> there's a lot. There's just, uh, there's rich veins of possibility in Kenobi. And I, yeah. I'm sure they'll tap, uh, you know, some, if not all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But great question, Dr. Addy, uh, as you can see. It excites us very much. Mm. We've got yet another Kenobi question, Ken. Uh, this comes from Daniel Wolf. Daniel says, could the Obi-Wan series pick up where Solo left off and have him deal with Crimson Dawn and give us an Ewan Obi-Wan versus Ray Maul rematch? I'm talking to someone who says it can't and shouldn't happen because of Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it when people send us uh, fun questions of like, uh, my friends and I are debating. What do you think? Yeah, um, That's very, very fun. Uh, where do you go with this, Ken? Um, great thought, Daniel. The idea of Ewan and, and Ray having an actual uh, on-camera physical rematch is, is pretty cool to me. Um, I think I, I shy away from this idea. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Um, I shy away from it just because I love this idea of Maul going around the galaxy, angry as all get out, just tortured inside and out. And Kenobi's over there, like, just grilling a hot dog and doesn't, not that he doesn't care, but just, <laughs> he ain't there for it, buddy. <laughs> he ain't there for it, pal. So, uh, Kenobi versus Crimson Dawn or any kind of smugglers or anything like that, yeah, yeah, that's fine for me, too. Um, it doesn't necessarily carry, carry the weight for me, but uh, I just love that that's part of Maul's story, too. Is, I'm so angry with me? Why? I, I forgive you. We're good. Sit down. No! <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, there's something very interesting about Maul has poor, poor Maul has so much to be angry about. And if one of the things during this era is he thinks Kenobi probably died and I didn't get to kill him. And that's yeah. what he's angry about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not the possibility that he's still out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, just canon wise, I don't think there's any reason that it, it couldn't happen. I mm -hmm. think there's the subjective, um, how could it happen and cover new ground, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where I go, go for it. If they hadn't announced the confirmation of Hayden is back, it's Vader, it's this rematch of the century. I'd be like, okay, I here are different ways that you could maybe explore Maul versus Obi-Wan. But I think the fact that we know it's that journey, um, it makes me feel like it makes me in general happy with the journey that we've got between Obi-Wan and Maul, their initial, uh, great conflict in the Phantom Menace, mm. uh, all of the back and forth in the Clone Wars, um, Obi-Wan demonstrating again and again in the Clone Wars that Maul can't break him. You know, yeah. Maul can murder people he loves in front of him and Obi-Wan going, yes, of course that makes me want to kill you, but I'm not going to. That's the power of the light side. Yeah. Uh, even down to what we got in season seven of Obi-Wan being very, very clear, like there's no part of me that is tempted to go to Mandalore to kick Maul's ass because he's my quote unquote enemy. Mm. I want to do whatever is right for what I think is the the greater purpose of the galaxy, you know, and him being so clear when it's is asking for their help yeah. for him to go like, no, I I'm being asked to do this. We need to go back to Coruscant, you know? Yeah. Um, that's already kind of a story of, of Obi-Wan saying, I'm not going to get involved in this. You know, I'm not interested in having a rival, you know, yeah. if I get the opportunity, I will try to do my duty and stop you. You know, he goes through that in Clone Wars where he does actively go out and say, it is my responsibility to stop him. Um, but he seems like he's not obsessed with that. Um, yeah. So I guess for me, like some of the only, the, the things that might be emotionally interesting is if Kenobi is already dealing with his baggage of like, I didn't handle Vader. And oh, Maul's out there too. And I never ended that. Maybe that adds more like just his, mm. hey, at least uh, at least I finished off Grievous. But besides yeah. that, yeah, <laughs> my track record's not going great here. Um, maybe that would be interesting. Mm. The only other thing, this is wild, Ken. This mm. is not a prediction. This is mm. this is wild, 
the playground at a bar on a Star Wars bar on a cruise ship. What if? <laughs> um, there is something interesting to me of if Maul and Vader come into some sort of conflict. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about that. Isn't it interesting that Vader's out there and Maul's in the shadows probably upset too? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Maul really expresses uh, in Rebels like, yeah, no, I, Vader's coming and uh, I'm not taking him alone. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that there's a part of me that thinks that would be extremely interesting if there was some sort of conflict between Maul and Vader and then <laughs> yeah. and then Kenobi shows up in the middle of it like, uh, I need to talk to both of you, but mostly Vader. <laughs> um, uh, Maul, can we have the room? Can can Darth and I have the room? Yeah. I don't know. There's a part of me that's just, I, I think I wrestle with it, uh, A, because I think everything that's there with um, Kenobi and Maul is so rich, particularly the the button that is put on it uh, by the Twin Sons episode of Rebels. I think also there's that, you know, this goes into the debate that I think we've had as a fandom and as a culture about Luke Skywalker's appearance in Mandalorian Mm -hmm. of some people like us really like it because it makes sense for, we think it makes sense for the character and where he's at, that he is answering uh, the the cry of a, of a traumatized child who wants his help. Like Mm -hmm. that's our hero, you know? And there are other people who just really wanted to see Luke Skywalker just go to town with his awesome powers. And and they got that. And then there's even more people who are, who think that, Oh well, Star Wars is afraid to to do anything but give the fans exactly what they wanted, right? Yeah, and so there's a part of me is like, ooh, I get really intrigued as a Star Wars fan, going, well, what are the emotional possibilities if Maul and Vader have a fight and then Kenobi shows up in the middle of it? But then there's that part of me that has hesitancy because it it mm-hmm. no matter how organic it is to the story, it raises all of these different specters of is this just fan service? Is this just yeah. people saying? have been saying for decades, I want to see Maul and Vader fight because it'd be badass. And like, right. There's a lot there uh, that makes it more complex. Well, we're going to let the Force Center listeners know right now, episode three of Kenobi, we're actually in the cast. It's an episode of Databank Brawl. Uh, <laughs> we just start the show. We're in a bar in Tatooine, and uh, Joseph pulls the characters out of the hat, and it's Vader Maul. Um, but no, you're right because there's so, there there's something that you got me intrigued by uh, Vader Mall. But I got I got a good friend out in, uh, now lives out uh, in Texas, but was out here in the industry for a long time. He'll he'll still just call me randomly. How you doing? I'm great. Yeah, Kenobi idea sucks. <laughs> just still go. There's no creativity over there. And I'm like, hey, how are you? You good? How's life out there in Houston? No, they're out of ideas. Kenobi sucks. Like the show hasn't, they haven't even started shooting the show. Give it a chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, when, uh, when Star Wars opinions uh, replace hellos, that yeah. will be a, a time for me to, to check myself. Uh, exactly. But great, great question, Daniel. Uh, the short answer is I don't think there's any canon reason it couldn't happen. And I think the fun thing to speculate on is uh, what would that, what would this story be? What would that tell us about Kenobi? What would that tell us about Maul? Yeah. They got to have a rematch. Yeah. Uh, because I know it would look cool. No doubt there. No doubt. Uh, moving on uh, to questions from our patrons on Patreon. First comes, one comes from PQ. There have been a lot of great memory shows lately. Uh, I think uh, Pat is referring to uh, some of the shows that you and I have been doing for our deep dive, Ken, where we yeah. uh, talk through some of our Star Wars memories. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pat says, there have been a lot of great memory shows lately, which made me think of the following. Do you have any Star Wars book memories? I was born in 82, which means I grew up in the dark times of Star Wars. I still remember going to the B. Dalton and Maplewood Mall. Minnesota shout out, Joseph. 
Thank you, PQ. And seeing heir to the Empire. New Star Wars, be still my beating heart. In an era when there was only the VHS tapes in the Lucasfilm fan club, I devoured those books. Uh, so uh, a, a memory I think that many people have of just the utter shock and joy of discovering heir to the Empire. Uh, Ken, what are your most treasured Star Wars book memories? Yeah, um, I think I think we might be doing Star Wars ranked up coming of 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 telling you and I telling some of our favorite stories of how we got some of the items, which we've touched on some of those. And so there's some uh, with around the novelizations that uh, um, I think I'll answer fully later on. But I've got some warm memories there, Pat. But I, I do want to talk about the Air the Emperor one Empire one, and I think I know I know I've touched upon it before. Um, hey, when you've been broadcasting Star Wars stories for six years, <laughs> you might touch on things you've talked about before. But I'll say it here and I'll say it now. I was in a grocery store. It was a Lucky's. If everyone everyone knows the Lucky's brand, might have been a West Coast brand. Um, Lucky's uh, in in line, and my you know I'm ninth, tenth grade I think at this time, and uh, my mom's uh, you know getting ready to pay with a check for the groceries, and uh, I see I see a paperback copy of Air of the Empire, and I missed the hard copy run. <laughs> um, and it was that, that was the day, you know, if you didn't get the Star Wars newsletters or Lucasfilm fan club, there was no StarWars.com to go to. And my friends weren't talking about it because you had to be hush hush on your love of Star Wars. So I didn't know. And I just got so excited. And I had exactly that feeling that Pat's talking about of, wait, there's more. There's more. We're not done. Oh, my God. And pulled it off the shelf. And my mom Probably had to front me the allowance money for it. <laughs> I got it. And and in the years since, even up till now, I'll say this: um, Zahn's a great writer. I don't, I don't connect with a lot of his Star Wars stuff as other people do. I, I don't like a lot of the modern Thrawn stuff as much as other people do. I think I think there's some good stuff in there. Again, he knows what he's doing with the with the the written word. Um, and Heir to the Empire, the series has not held up for me as, as much as um, maybe it has for others. But I cannot shy away from the power of that book and the power of that moment of just seeing more Star Wars and grabbing that book and just flipping through the pages and the world of possibilities that spring up from them uh, before you even read page one. And which around page one is hot chocolate, Coruscant and Kenobi leaving, but um, <laughs> I, I'll never take that away. And if I was ever to real, I've, I've been around Zon. I have actually have an autographed copy of Air of the Empire. If, if I ever get the chance to off camera, not on stage at a convention, I, that's what I'd say to him. Of, of thank you for bringing back and doing your part and expanding this universe for a kid that thought it was done. That's pretty powerful. And I'm, I'm with you there, Pat, on that story. Yeah, I mean the just the the weight and the importance of Air to the Empire. So many people's introduction uh, to Star Wars is yeah. uh, profound. I remember buying it. I think I was. I know I was aware of it, but you know, I think it was probably like um, you know sometimes bookstores would have like actual pieces of paper <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that they would give out of like your books that are coming out. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure I saw it like flipping through. Um, you know, and I was desperate for so many years. I think I've told you before. Um, I've never seen Willow because I saw the commercial on television and for a split second, I thought it was new Star Wars. And then when it wasn't, <laughs> I got so mad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I never like, you know, I, my family didn't go to the theater a ton and I had to really sort of like advocate, like I need to see this. And as well as like that, not Star Wars. No, thank you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because I was, that was how hungry I was uh, for Star Wars, that, that feeling like even, will briefly making me think it was Star Wars, then not being Star Wars made me mad. Uh, so <laughs> Heir to the Empire was thrilling, 
yeah, I, I did save up my allowance and I bought it in hardcover and I remember yeah. uh, sitting down and, and cracking it open and just, um, yeah. you know, feeling like this is amazing that I can go back into this world. Um, yeah. So that's a definitely a good book memory for me. Um, one of the ones that really sticks in my head is uh, I had a job for a while. One of my very first jobs uh, was at a bank in Minneapolis and it was in the return checks department, which was in the basement of a parking garage. So it was, wow. <laughs> it was wow. not a fun or exciting place. Uh, yeah. You know, I came, I, I, so one of my main jobs was to stamp the reason that the check had been rejected. Oh, and wow. I, one of them I had to stamp uh, NSF for insufficient funds. And the person had literally written on the check only 50 cents as if to plead with the universe. <laughs> and it was, so depressing. <laughs> uh, but I was working Sorry. this job, save up money for my drum set, uh, and I just needed some joy. And I right. didn't have a lot of money because I was saving it. Um, There's a yeah. great bookstore in downtown Minneapolis at the time called uh, Baxter's Books. And uh, they had the novelization of Star Wars, of A New Hope. And just to give myself energy for getting through the day, I would leave for my job early. I would get downtown like 90 minutes early and I just sat in Baxter's books and I read the entire Star Wars novelization uh, one wow. day at a time to fuel me through that depressing job. There you go. The power of Star Wars reaches amazing depths. It does. <laughs> all the way down to the basement of a parking garage. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Great one. Uh, great one, PQ. Thank you very much. We'll move on to our final question from Michael McCarcel. Uh Michael says, upon learning that I'm a big Star Wars fan, a new coworker decided he needed to give me his Star Wars hot take. <laughs> he tried to make the claim that the Jedi were terrorists. I tried to explain to him that it seemed like a very odd take and that he seemed to be ignoring the actual context of the story. Uh, was the Jedi order perfect? Absolutely not. Do they make mistakes? Certainly. Do they commit acts of terror? No. I tried to talk it through with him, uh, but he just insisted that they were terrorists regardless <laughs> and wasn't really interested in an actual discussion. Oh, well, not everyone wants to go deep in these discussions, and that's okay. This is certainly not the first weird hot take I've heard that didn't make much sense. This brings me to my question. What weird nonsense, out of context, etc. hot takes have you heard that really get to you and make you feel you need to take a few deep breaths? Thanks, and may the force be with you. Ken, not that you're not going to have an, another answer, but it's so awesome that you already did share. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> the hot take that your friend calls up that tells you what part of Star Wars that hasn't come out yet is going to suck. I don't, his, he's one of the only people I know who will still call before he texts, right? Which I, I respect. And when I see that, I don't answer it. I wait till he leaves a message or I call back later when I'm ready to deal with it because I know that's what's going to happen. That's every time. Hey, how are you? Man, they still doing that Kenobi show? What are they? I cannot believe they're out of ideas. Um, oh, man, Michael, this is a great question. First of all, yeah, that uh, Jedi is terrorist take, like, you know, we've talked about Justice for the Jedi, but we've talked about the prequels kind of showing some things, but it's so I can understand the a, a genesis of an idea deep, deep down of the Jedi are doing some things wrong, but to go, <laughs> to go to that degree, that's tough. And you just want to engage. You want to talk if it, cause especially if it's not on a podcast or a YouTube video, just like, Oh, we're, we're two folks talking star Wars. Let's yeah. Great. I don't know where you go with that one. So Michael, I I'll start there. I, 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 I just give me a hug, man. Give me a hug. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the for me, important part of Michael's uh, great question here is, is he relates the, this story that uh, Michael answered his new coworker back with some some thoughts from from the storytelling of Star Wars. And then Michael says his coworker 
uh, wasn't really interested in actual discussion. Mm. And mm. I think that those are the things that really bum me out. Like if somebody has a strong opinion and they have a reason for it and I disagree, I don't mind having a conversation. What bums me out is when somebody just has uh, a headline with no supporting evidence mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then doesn't want to have a discussion. That That's always a bummer to me. And the ones that I've encountered are the Jedi, uh, but also the specific, the, the Empire is actually the hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe that might be Ken... Uh, a perspective of years. Like Mm. I remember having this conversation in the early two thousands where people went, you know, from a certain point of view, the death star is a government facility. They are the legitimate government And here. The rebels come in and just blow it up and they do murder a bunch of people. Mm. And this sort of sometimes playful, sometimes serious, but wait, I'm going to turn it all upside down and shock you. The empire, the good guys. That's a take I have been aware of for Mm many years right so i get frustrated when somebody uh, tries to present that to me as a a uh, groundbreaking new take yeah yeah. uh, because i've been familiar with it for an extremely long time i understand where it comes from but i don't think it is supported in any way by the actual storytelling and morality of star wars yeah well yeah 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 there's that's um even when it got kind of rekindled in 2014, 2015, and, and, and Claudia Gray had some great stuff in Lost Stars about those in the Empire dealing with that loss and some something that we could get into. But yeah, Star Wars uh, time and time again ask you, asks about those choices. And again, I keep I love this reveal in Alphabet Squadron that the Emperor was keeping track of everyone's little little mistakes because he knew what it added to. And so, yeah, it, it, I think to stop there at... Um, the, the the heroes on both sides that Lucas put in the crawl it, uh, to, to quote Princess Bride, I, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Um, <laughs> it, it, you have to go deeper with that, and I think that's part of some, part of the problem with having some kind of discussions. Uh, we're we we here forced to try to be very uh, open and respectful, and there's different things and different and where you are when you're li- in your life, and I think a lot of that. But I just there's sometimes you run up to a, a a brick wall, and I don't know. I just don't know how to deal with it. I don't have any specific I, I specific take. I just had one in the Game of Thrones world where a friend of mine was like, no, the whole point of uh, Game of Thrones, particularly season eight, was to show that the only way you get true power is through violence. I was like, that mm, mm, that wasn't the point of the show. <laughs> and I don't know where to go from there. And they're like, nope, that was the, that that was that's the, that was that's what the show was about. Oh, OK. <laughs> so there's some of those Star Wars takes, too, where I just like, OK. Yeah, I think there's also, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think that there is this great tension with Star Wars uh, in that the the Star Wars is for everyone to engage with at any level. But I keep seeing a little bit of a difference between people who like Star Wars, uh, maybe mixed on Star Wars, but approach each movie as its own thing. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. Each meal should be its, each film should be its own meal, right? You should pay 15 bucks and you go see a film and it has a beginning, a middle and an end in a story and uh, characters grow and change and, and you have seen a story. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, a lot of the disconnect that I see in conversations are, are from people who kind of look at each individual movie is its own story. Yeah, and yeah. those of us who, who choose to, it's not necessarily the right way, but those of us who choose to really look at all of star Wars as this connected story. We just there's just like, I think a real difference in perspective. And that's where I think where some of these uh, conversations can break down. 
Yeah, and I'm trying to get to answer Michael's questions of, of kind of a hot take that's inside the story, right? But I'm always up for a good theory. I'm always, I'll hear you. I'll go down that path. Darth Jar Jar, great. Let's do it. Let's figure it out. And and um, I don't have a specific answer right now for Michael because sometimes I get like It's been the last five, six years, the battle. Because, you know, I've had the conversations of, uh, you know, I, we can talk about, yeah, maybe you don't think there was an arc for Finn, uh, you know, blah, blah, and we can get in that discussion. And maybe you and I, Joseph, might respectfully disagree with that that statement but we can have that discussion but then you know i've had the i had one person directly tell me uh you know i, I don't like uh, that they forced me to have to watch finn and rose kiss i was like well we're having a different conversation right now then, aren't we? and it <laughs> ain't about star, about star wars yeah it's yeah. not about star wars um so yeah i it, it's uh it, it 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 invokes me not having a clear answer michael you've invoked some passion in me <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just uh, to directly answer Michael's question, definitely the, you know, the empire is secretly the good guys is a a hot take that caused me to take a few deep breaths. Um, Some ones that I think are more understandable, but I still wrestle with uh, that Star Wars is only celebrates special people with special blood. You know, that's one that uh, I feel strongly about because I I think, you know, I don't want to get into essays uh, about why I disagree, but, you know, just going all the way back to a new hope and, uh, Luke is the only one who's going to make the shot at the Death Star, but he couldn't have got that chance without everything everyone else did in that film right. and Rogue One and Han Solo turning around. And would Han Solo have even turned around if Chewie hadn't kept roaring in his ear off screen? We don't know. Right. You know, uh, so I think that's one there. Sometimes I have to take a, a, a deep breath and understand where other people are coming from. And if they want to have a conversation, it's a fun conversation to have. But for me, it definitely requires a, a deep breath. Yeah, and I think one in-story one for me, just in terms of watching the movie, uh, you know, not to open up that Pandora's box, but just hearing, uh, you know, well, the, the whole point of Last Jedi was to, you know, destroy the past, kill it if you have to. And that's when I usually mm. just pack up my lunchbox and close it and uh, get up and leave the lunchroom. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Uh, I have never said this to anyone uh, in person, uh, but in frustrated moments in, in my imagination. <laughs> uh, when people have said that uh, th- that kind of thing about Last Jedi, it's, it was all about uh, ruining the, you know, just getting, you know, changing Star Wars and and killing the past, and that and then Rise of Skywalker just goes right back to it. And I have said in my head so many times, please, please watch just the third act of the Last Jedi, and then let's have this conversation again. <laughs> Yeah. See, now the floodgates are opening, huh, Joseph? Now the floodgates. They really are. Luke, Please. Luke, Luke grabbed that lightsaber and realized the Skywalker as a, as a insult to Ryan Johnson. Not, not third act Luke from Last yes. Jedi. Not third act Luke. The one who said, I will not be the Last Jedi. I will not be the title of the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah. Wars. Okay, look, look, Michael, you got us. We were trying. Yeah. Not that you were trying to do that, Michael, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it just goes to show that one of the the great things uh, about Star Wars is in discussing Star Wars is it's always an opportunity to wrestle with the themes of Star Wars for me mm-hmm. <laughs> of the temptation toward anger is right there. Yeah. Uh, quicker, easier, more seductive to just start yelling. You're wrong. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> but the. Uh, the better path is to try to say, here's, here's what I see. Here's what I feel. And hopefully we can, we can have a discussion. Make the choice to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Great (laughs) questions. (laughs) Was that not believable? I'm taking a big, this is water. I wish it was whiskey. 
Yeah, yeah. No, great question, uh, Michael. Great question. Uh, PQ, Daniel, and Dr. Addy. Lots of fun, Kenobi, and lots of fun discussion of how we approach Star Wars and treasure those books. That's it for the questions, Ken. That's it for the questions, and that's it for this episode. But we got a lot of Force Center Star Wars broadcasting coming here with the Bad Batch on the way. Two episodes basically back-to-back. We're right there with it. And uh, a lot more coming. So uh, if you want to find us online, we're at uh, Twitter, Force Center Pod. We're on uh, Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on Anchor iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash center and patreon.com slash is where you can support us directly. Your support goes to keeping the show alive, but also adding some wonderful things like Tony Thaxton's theme music for a lot of uh, the shows uh, and, and more. So we appreciate that. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack or go to KenNapsack.com for more information. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Mm-hmm. In particular, if you uh, enjoy uh, the media discussions uh, in general, and that extends to the MCU, uh, my wife and I just recorded an episode of our podcast, Obsessed, uh, obsessing over the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So there's a link to my podcast, Obsessed, right there on my website, josephscrimshaw.com, if that sounds interesting to you. Uh, and it should, folks. It should. It should. <laughs> All right. That is it This uh, for this week. So for a Kenobi, which we know is a great idea, we can't wait to see more. We'll see y'all. This was Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.